for the Total Soccer Show and our first summer 2022 transfer update show. Ooh, yes, stay tuned to this station for all the speculation about the sensations who are currently on vacation but have the causation to choose a new location for their remuneration. Coming up, we're talking Bale, Mane, Pogba, Lewandowski and much, much more. Joining me to do so is a man who isn't a truck in the movie Cars called Mater. He's a man who's known in Starbucks as Tater. Hello, Taylor Rockwell. <laughs> Hey, buddy. That's that's solid work across the board from you. Well done, sir. I felt like I was in Bare Naked Ladies for a second there, Taylor. <laughs> I mean, if you'd begun with It's Ben, then we would have like fully, fully <laughs> knocked that one out of the park. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. Yeah, it's I'm, Ben. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Let's, <laughs> let's keep that going. Also here joining us, Taylor, is a man who loves transfer rumors almost as much as I do. In I think he's relatively indifferent to them. Joe Lowry, is that true? <laughs> I mean, I, I, transfer rumors are fun. It's probably the most fun part of soccer. But I, I don't know if I am like their number one fan. Either way, I am the number one fan of that introduction. Every every time you said another Asian, I thought that was going to be the last one. And then there were like 87,000 more. And then you brought in a Pixar reference. Ryan, just top tier work. Thank you very much, Joe. I aim to please you and you alone. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Rounding out our pack, Joseph is a man whose one-man rampage against how you pay for things in the USA continues <laughs> unabated. Graham Ruffin, hello. I think it's getting boring at this point. I'm going to stop. I think I'm going to leave our Slack chat alone and uh, yeah. just let America pay for things in their weird and wonderful way. So listen, Sorry. if you follow Graham's socials and if you follow our Slack chat, which you almost certainly don't, you'll know that Graham um, is confused by the amount of paperwork involved with paying for things and the lack of sort of contactless payments in the USA. And we had a big, long discussion, which bored at least 50% of our hosts between you and I, Graham, on the Slack. I just don't understand when I use Apple Pay why I'm getting a paper bill when that is the thing that Apple Pay is designed to get rid of, paper bills. The country that invented Apple Pay doesn't know how to use Apple Pay is basically the synopsis of my complaint. What? I think what, what's become revealing to me in these conversations, of which I took no part, similar to Joe, <laughs> and that right there is maybe revealing. <laughs> work, I wonder T-Bell. if it's... If it's a yeah, baby, we stay out of these things. Oh, yeah. uh, but I wonder if it's a an American thing of just like we're a giant country. We, I don't know. We can't really be asked to like make sure that everything is functioning properly. Whereas you all are from maybe smaller countries where like smaller population wise, land mass wise, where you all expect things to be a certain way. I don't know, but it was telling to me that you both were like really concerned about the intricacies of payment. Whereas I think Joe and I were just sort of like I, I don't know, just use a card, use cash, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> just be on about your day. Who has that time to waste, Taylor? Oh. I'm a busy man. You're, what you're saying, to do? Wait, which which part of the time are you not wasting, Graham? Because you're saying you don't have time to waste when it comes to the payment part, but when it comes to discussing it for 47 hours after the fact, you got time for that? Yeah, yeah but I'm viewing that as lobbying. Hopefully I can prompt a change. There's also a lot and of time. And I'll get that time back. There's also a lot of time while you're in line for It's a Small World at Disneyland, at Disney World, that Graham can be typing these messages in the chat. Exactly. That is actually the the, the accurate uh, explanation of what happened there. <laughs> to bring it Spot back, Graham, to bring it back to more on topic for this podcast, what year will it be when a European transfer is conducted with Apple Pay? <laughs> I mean, has it happened with Bitcoin yet? I feel like that is a race oh. between those two payment methods. What's going to happen first, Bitcoin or Apple Pay? My money's on Bitcoin. I hope your money's not on Bitcoin because you'd be a lot poorer now than you were a few months ago. It's on sale right now, Graham. It's on sale. It's all right. Everything's good. They still use fax machines. It will be a long way before we get (laughs) a transfer done with any sort of electronic currency. Yeah, yeah. 
Americans still use paper checks. Let's not go down that avenue right now, though. Let's talk about transfers. I'm going to kick things off by asking a general question about the transfer market. Taylor Rockwell, do you think this summer is going to be a big transfer summer? Do you think you're going to see some records broken? What I wonder is whether the World Cup being a November, that will make perhaps the winter a little more active. We might see a bit of displacement in terms of the, uh, the payments here. So my my truth is I would have said I think it's going to be a standard, maybe a little bit more reduced transfer window as we lead into the World Cup. Then afterwards, it'll be that big one. In preparing for this show, I've come to the conclusion that no, it's going to be a, a pretty big window because some of the deals that have already happened, specifically that Kylian Mbappe deal with how much money he is getting paid. And obviously, we're going to talk about that on this episode. But it, because of that, it's that seems to have had ripples throughout the transfer market that now every player is expecting to get a little bit more money. Everyone seems to think maybe we're out of the COVID recession. Maybe we can throw a little bit of cash around. And so some of these deals do seem to be held up because there's more money wanted by the player. There's more money wanted by the, the selling club. And it does seem like we are going to get some bigger deals than I would have thought. Listener, we have a running order document um, for most of our shows. I've written the question, will this be a big summer for transfers? Joe Lowry has written, I truly think it could go either way. Um, do you want to expand on this fence sitting, Joe? Oh, uh, you know, it's a pretty wide fence, so I'm relatively comfortable. <laughs> it's it, it's nice. It, it really is fine up here. The reason why I feel like it could go either way, and I, I did some asking around about this. I asked everyone's favorite mustached uh, American soccer journalist, Tom Bogert, for his thoughts on this, is there's always that bump after the World Cup, right? There's always that idea of, okay, Real Madrid just now learned that Hamas Rodriguez exists, and now they're going to overpay for him. There always are going to be clubs that will spend extra money and spend money to get a player that shined on the world's biggest stage. That is the reality and will probably always be the reality. So I do think there's a strong chance we see a boost in transfers in the winter. At the same time, and Tom pointed this out to me, and I think he's absolutely right, there are a lot of ways that smart clubs can buy players now and can scout players now, more importantly, that have absolutely nothing to do with the timing of major international tournaments. Mm. For the most part, smart clubs should be doing their business before these kinds of events where the really the only logical option is that prices and, and whether that's contracts or or transfer fees prices are going to go up so I, that's why i could see it going either way is i think it will partially depend on the individual club and the people making those decisions it seems to me that this could be a busier summer with smart clubs and, and just a lot of cu- clubs trying to hop on that train and get business done before the world cup but it could also be just that classic busier post-World Cup time where players end up moving and just the window is different. Usually it would be in the summer and now it's in the winter. So that's why I say I really think it could go either way. At this point, the seas to me, look like they are trending towards busier summer, quieter winter, just because we have seen a number of relatively high-profile deals go through. But there's still a lot of dominoes left to fall. My, my theory is that it's going to be the summer window is going to be quite hollow. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So if you look at the trend of recent years, we had COVID last summer, where there was a fall of 13% in terms of the money that was spent by the top uh, division clubs across Europe. But it was actually an increase in the number of transfers that were completed. So it went from 17,190 to 18,068 in 2021. So that to me says that clubs are looking a little bit harder at a lower level in the transfer market. So I, I still think you get these big deals, and we've seen them already. We've mentioned them, Mbappe, Haaland. I think someone will pick up Darwin Nunes for €80 million. Euros. But then below that, 
I think maybe there won't be so many deals. Um, and then below that level, if you're following me, I think there will be loads at a, a lower level, which would fit in with this trend of actually more transfers taking place, but not as much money being spent. I think I think I think bridging the gap there. I think Joe talked about smart clubs and Joe and Graham talking about basically some clubs spending a lot of money on certain players. What what I think will be a factor here is ego more than anything, because you can have I think most clubs are probably smart in some way. I think it it would be difficult to have a top to bottom poorly run team unless you're Manchester United. Uh, But even if you have a smart club, it depends on the egos that are involved. And uh, Sunderland Till I Die has that great episode in which uh, then-owner Stuart Donald is thinking about buying Will Grigg, and he just keeps upping his his transfer amount every single time, and everyone else is telling him, do not do this, he is not worth this money, and he keeps doing it. And you can tell that like once you get it in your sights, once you're uh, a person with some money and you want what you want, you're going to go after it. And I think there's sort of a foundation here already, this transfer window, of some big clubs having bruised egos. Madrid, chief amongst them, thinking they're going to get Mbappe, and they don't, and there's been a war of words between the leagues as a result. But I would say... Liverpool with Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, maybe that ego's a little bit bruised, maybe they want to spend some money. Bayern Munich with the situation with Robert Lewandowski, Manchester United, PSG, there are egos out there that like I wouldn't necessarily count upon to make rational decisions when push comes to shove, and so I think we'll still see a lot of money splash, but to Graham's point, it may end up being on a few core players. And and I also think a lot of that money is getting, I don't really have any statistical basis behind this, it's more anecdotal, but it seems like the big players, the money is being spent on their wages as well, rather than on the transfer fees themselves. True. I think that is, I think that's definitely a trend at this point, is big name elite players, I'm talking about the best players in the world, running down their contracts. Obviously, Mbappe did it, Pogba did it, Lewandowski's doing it, Manny's doing it, Salah's doing it. These are some of the biggest names in, in soccer, and it seems like these players have recognised that by doing this, that gives them more power over the clubs and that they can join and also gets them bigger contracts because clubs aren't paying a transfer fee, but they are paying them more in wages. So it's not necessarily cheaper for the clubs if you look at what PSG is is paying uh, Mbappe. The one I always remember is Juventus signing Aaron Ramsey a few years ago and giving him a gigantic contract. He was on something like €400,000 a week, and the, the reason for that was they didn't have to pay a transfer fee. So it's not necessarily cheaper for the for the clubs, but it seems like the players are getting a bigger chunk of that money. All right, let's, um, let's move on to talk about some of the big deals that could be on the horizon in the coming weeks and months. Why don't we start off with a player who has exhausted his time earning 600 grand a week at Real Madrid. Uh, Mr. Gareth Bale, obviously, who helped Wales qualify from the World Cup uh, but a few days ago as we record. Um, there's been links, Taylor, with Cardiff City, potentially. And when I put the question out where he should go next, I think I got about a dozen replies saying he's definitely going to Tottenham. Um so what do we think for Mr. Bale? As we record, he is unattached. I I have absolutely no idea, nor do I have much of an idea as to what I think would work best. There's a really good uh, piece on The Athletic that kind of breaks down some of those options you mentioned, and they make somewhat compelling arguments for most of them. The Spurs one would be that when he went back there, it was a very negative time for the club, that he wasn't kind of up to fitness. And by the time he was, things were already in a downward spiral. So maybe it could be turned around this time. Cardiff, close to his home, has the Wales connection, but would be him playing in the championship. But that means he's more or less guaranteed minutes, and they might even build a schedule around him so that he's fully fit for the World Cup, MLS, obviously money in a new frontier. And I really think any of them could work for 
for him. It comes down to what will keep him motivated because thus far it seems to be playing for Wales and playing golf. Mm -hmm. And I think if we get a, a slightly even more motivated Gareth Bale, much as it would not be fun to play against that for the U.S., I think it makes Wales better. I think it makes for a better World Cup and a more fun World Cup at that. So I think... If push came to shove, I would I would prefer he go to Spurs just to challenge himself and push on and see what Antonio Conte can get out of him. But pending that, uh, I wouldn't hate him in Major League Soccer. Let's make that happen. Well, if I'm Gareth Bale, though, Taylor, do I want to go and train for Antonio Conte, who's notoriously hard on his players, who doesn't Probably let them not. have ketchup and so on? You know, he's used to be you know being wrapped in cotton wool and occasionally <laughs> brought out for substitute appearances <laughs> uh, i think i think he's used to being like all oh, right gareth bale plays here we forgot that that's why <laughs> there was there was one more interesting nominee in that athletic piece which was hatafe because it's not particularly far from where he currently lives he would be able to continue to live in spain where he seems to enjoy uh, according to reports the anonymity and it allows his family to live the there courses. and the golf courses yeah. of course and so he could stay in spain would probably get minutes and would probably be motivated and wouldn't have to go play for antonio conte and not eat ketchup because it does seem like he at this point in his career doesn't necessarily want to be told what to do uh, and maybe always doesn't want to be told what to do so I guess you're right that it could blow up spectacularly but that could be fun although with this being probably like the last big move for him uh, who knows if that's what he's looking for do, do we believe Gareth Bale has anonymity in Spain I could believe if he went to like play for Real Salt Lake he might be able to walk down the street but I don't know if he's doing <laughs> that in I think I think it was mostly about his family, and I think in Wales and in England, there's going to be a ton more okay. WAG coverage than I think there is in Spain. That's mm. completely fair. The, the thing about Bale and deciding where he plays next is he kind of has to work out what he wants at this stage of his yep. career, because not so long ago, there were rumours that he was going to retire, and those rumours still kind of swirl around that maybe he takes a six-month contract uh, up until the World Cup to keep prepared and fit for that tournament. And maybe, I'm just speculating, but maybe he retires after the World Cup. So does does he want a move at this point in his career that is going to look after him for the next two, three years, give him something to aim for beyond Wales? Or does he literally just want a training ground and some minutes every so often to keep him in shape for that World Cup? That's the, the thing that he needs to decide upon first, I think. Hmm. Okay, so the group's answer here is we don't know about Gareth Bale. Joe, do we know about Gareth Bale? No, we don't. I would love to see him in MLS. I, I think... There are going to be people, and we'll talk about this later with Chiellini, there are going to be people that detract from those moves and that still continue to call MLS a retirement league. And I think those people are just willfully ignorant in certain ways, right? So if you can get Gareth Bale involved in Major League Soccer, he's going to make a team better. At the very least, he's going to make a team more fun. And that's that's what soccer is about. That's what MLS should be trying to go for. Higher talented players, higher level, higher levels of talent and players that are going to build the entertainment product on TV, is that's just sorely needed right now. Bale, I think, checks both of those boxes. I don't know if that's where he'll end up or not. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think he has a number of decent options, and I, I do think MLS is really one of those decent options. All right, why don't we move on to another big player, Robert Lewandowski, whose time in Munich appears to be up. I want to leave Bayern, said Robert Lewandowski. Something died in me, and I want more emotions in my life. A way out is the best solution for both parties. So, Taylor, it's getting a bit sour, this relationship, which seemed so wonderful for many, many years. Bobby Lewandowski's next move. 
Uh, feels like Barcelona. Uh, they remain very much involved and like rumored to be interested in him. Real Madrid al- also uh, involved as well, but it seems like Barcelona have made actual contact with Bayern Munich. Uh, and when I first started reading about this, I sort of went with the Robert Lewandowski line that it seemed like Bayern hadn't offered him a new deal when he'd expected it. They had flirted with Erling Haaland both publicly and I think a bit more in private. Uh, and so for Robert Lewandowski, it felt like you all are keeping me in limbo until you decide if you're going to go for Holland, I don't love being in limbo. I don't love being your second choice, so I will go elsewhere. But from what I've read, there also seems to have been a little bit of politicking, a little bit of gamesmanship behind the scenes. Because as we've seen with Bayern Munich in years past, uh, when big players publicly start to agitate and talk about frustration with managers, be it Carlo Ancelotti or Niko Kovac, those managers are gone. But some of those players for Bayern have already been moved on. And this, uh, by all accounts, could be that season where we see some of the player power dynamics shift. Because if you're Bayern Munich, under Julian Nagelsmann, who has a very specific style of play, he can adapt it. But we know hallmarks of it. I don't know if Robert Lewandowski fits that system as well as, say, Sadio Mane. And so suddenly that link makes a lot more sense. And the idea of letting Robert Lewandowski go, though they say they don't want to, I still think that that's uh, a little bit of politicking, a little bit of posturing to make sure that they get some money uh, if and when he goes. But I think it allows them to build a team that more resembles the way Nagelsmann wants to play, the style of play he's used previously at Leipzig and Hoffenheim. So I, I, I think there's a world in which Lewandowski moving on benefits him, benefits Bayern Munich. But I will say any club that he goes to when they play Bayern in the Champions League, Robert Lewandowski is scoring a hat trick in that game. <laughs> Absolutely he is. Um, Graham, the Taylor mentioned Sadio Mane there. We're hearing that um, Liverpool turned down a £25 million bid from Bayern Munich for Sadio Mane. It seems like for similar reasons that when I went to the Apple store, they turned down my $10 bid for a new iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, £25 million does seem rather low. I know he only has a a year left in his contract and he is 30 years old, I want to say. Certainly around that, that, that age so he's certainly not old, but equally not young either. But $25 million for one of the best players in his position, if not the best player in his position, seems rather low. And I think reports are, are stating that Liverpool want closer to 40 and, and €50 million, Euros, which that's, that sounds a lot more reasonable. So I think there's a bit of negotiation to, to happen there. I find the, the Mane transfer saga... I, generally, I find transfer sagas pretty tedious. Um, and it feels like this is becoming the defining one. I would say even above Lewandowski, because Lewandowski, it, it feels like he's only going to go to one place. Mane, he could go to Real Madrid, I guess. They could make a move from. They've had interest in the past. So there's a lot of moving parts with the Mane transfer. And I find it very interesting because for Liverpool, you then have the question of, do you replace him? Because Luis Diaz has obviously come in. He's been playing very well on the left. But then I think Manny has actually been the Roberto Firmino replacement through the middle. So if he leaves, do they need another centre forward, especially if Divock Origi is, is off this summer? And uh, for Bayern, there's all, as Taylor's already kind of touched upon, is Manny being signed as a centre forward for Nagelsmann's system or is it as another wide forward where they're already well stocked? So I think there's on both sides of this saga, there's, there's a, a lot of moving parts and, and I find it very interesting. Mm, there are indeed. Joe Lowry, shall we talk about Paul Pogba? who uh, is firing shots left, <laughs> right, and center. At- <laughs> that was a gasp. Oh, the drama. It was me that was saying. Ah, yeah. there we go. I'm somewhere between a sigh and a gasp when we're discussing Paul Pogba and his, uh, his second exit from Manchester United and potential second entry to Juventus, Joe. 
It feels like we've done all this before, doesn't it? It feels like we have lived this moment in time in the past. Before I read more about you know where it sounds like Pogba might be going, which is Juventus. It's not confirmed yet, but he's done at Manchester United, and it does seem like that move is borderline likely. I also think there could be value in him moving to Juve. But before I read and really looked into this much at all, I desperately wanted Pogba to go to Real Madrid. This feels like the most like basic... Twitter football fan kind of thing to want, but I would love to see Pogba in just a Real Madrid team that is all about sauce. Like they are so saucy with Luka Modric, and you have Vinny Jr. on the left and Benzema up top. They have so much quality, and Pogba feels like he would be, it would just be kind of like France, but with a club team, and I think that could be so much fun to watch. It doesn't feel like that's going to happen. Let's talk about him maybe moving to Juve. I think this would be a good move for Juventus. Pogba is a player who needs to be accommodated to a certain extent. I think they have some of the depth to be able to do that, and Pogba could be the guy that takes this Juve team and, and puts them back up towards the top, if not at the top, of the Serie A table after a really disappointing season this past year. I think they need quality, and Pogba is one of, if not the most talented player on the market right now. So I think adding him to this group, giving him a little bit of flexibility in midfield, uh, and, and allowing him to create and roam a little bit could be great. Plus, we would get all sorts of Pog Pogba, Weston McKinney content, and that, I think, is the real prize here. Well, I was going to ask about that, Joe. Do you think Pogba and McKinney go into the same team together? Uh, or do you think know. Pogba plays instead of McKinney? Because that's a worry. I mean, McKinney is kind of just Juve's auxiliary midfielder in that he kind of just does whatever is asked of him. He'll push up higher at times he's been kind of like a target midfielder. He'll shift wider on the right and defend on the outside. Pogba's not going to be doing that stuff. He's not really going to be a guy that you play any long balls to. He's certainly not going to defend. Well, I I shouldn't say that. I guess he did that some for Manchester United. I would be surprised if he reprised his temporary left winger role that he played at Manchester United with Juventus. So I don't think McKenney and Pogba are mutually exclusive, one or the other in that midfield. But I will say, we've all been reading about some of the rumors surrounding McKenney, and maybe he's headed to Tottenham, and we don't really know what that looks like for McKenney and a lot of the U.S.'s other top stars. The playing situation could be very different for McKenney and company for the U.S. by the time the next season starts. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things I really do dislike about transfer windows and then there are things that i really enjoy and i enjoy trying to kind of parse who is leaking what i enjoy when like uh transfer fees are rumored and trying to figure out like the the money one when it's 20 million and 50 million like they're clearly aiming towards a like 35 million fee is what i feel like they're going to land on but you have to start somewhere and with pogba i this is a good example of one of my favorite things which is the like highly delicate domino transfer situation where I wonder if the Pogba transfer is sort of contingent on if he comes in, Weston McKinney maybe is moved on, but the club that's buying him, maybe they're waiting to sell somebody else and you end up getting this weird connection of players that you have to have one signing to start it all and then the chains fall into place. And I emphasize all, all that because by all accounts, the big thing that everybody who's pursuing Pogba has has done is approach him with a very specific plan for how they plan to use him. The consensus seems to be coming out of his camp that Manchester United broke that world record transfer without a clear idea of how they wanted to fit him in. Just he's this world-class player. He's been here before. It's a great marketing gimmick. Uh, and then we'll figure it out from there. 
But that obviously has not worked. And so I think, especially with Juve, it seems to be they have a very clear picture of how they want to use him. They have informed him of that. They have had discussions about what works and what doesn't work. And I wonder if part of that is a, and if Weston McKinney moves on, then we can use you in this way, or if that is part of the plan. Either way, I think the Juve move makes sense for him because it puts him back into another sort of comfort zone. It puts him back with Allegri. And I think it makes Juve better. That's not necessarily a thing I'm rooting for, but I do think they find a way to get the best out of him again. Taylor, do you think Allegri will put any new ideas into Pogba? Because when I think of Pogba at 29 years old, as he is now, I think he's missed out on so much good coaching just just by being at Manchester United for so long. I know that sounds like a a, a lot of shade there, but I think think that's true. I think he's missed out on a a lot in his career. And so that was the reason I was so keen on Pogba going to City was just the prospect of what Guardiola might put into Pogba at this stage of his career. He's 29, maybe yeah. there's not not that much you can put into his career, but just seeing how he would change as a player, the reason I'm not that enthusiastic about him going to work with Allegri is just he's he's worked with Allegri before, and I can understand why he would want to do that. But as a neutral who just wants to see a player do new things, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure we're going to see him do new things. Or maybe you maybe you disagree. Maybe Allegri's going to do something different with him. No, I, I don't disagree. And yet I still like the move because I think you're right that if he goes to, to Man City, it's a similar thing with Erling Holland. Holland does certain things that he wants to do very well. But when you play for Pep, there's an idea that you have to be coachable and you have to play for the team over your individual aspirations. And that seems to be a thing that Pep Guardiola has emphasized at Barca, at Bayern, and now with Man City. I doubt Max Allegri is going to emphasize that same thing when it comes to Pogba at Juve. But again, from the reporting I've read, Pogba is very much a player who who wants praise. He wants kind of that positive feedback. He wants the spotlight, but in a positive way. And this is not me throwing shade at him by saying, you know, the haircuts and he's all out there giving the press conferences and whatever. I mean to say that I think he's a player who derives confidence from being told, hey, you're doing the right thing. And there's a story about Jose Mourinho removing the vice captaincy from him without telling him at a meeting that he wasn't present for. And then when he was present, it's kind of publicly announced with him really not knowing what's going on. And it seems like, yeah, he's had... A, a run of coaches that he hasn't vibed with or hasn't worked with particularly well. And so I, I do agree with you, Graham, that maybe a, a coach that challenges him more or pushes him further out of his comfort zone while also putting an arm around the shoulder would get a next level performance out of him. But it's also been so long since we've seen him be that effective at club level that maybe the starting point for me is get him in a place where he's comfortable with a manager who knows kind of how to work with him, how to utilize him in an effective way. And maybe once that confidence is back and that kind of swagger is there, then you can adapt his game or evolve his game. Or maybe that's kind of just where he is. But either way, I think the world of soccer is better when Paul Pogba is having fun and playing well, because I don't think there are many players like him. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, a few more deals potentially on the horizon. We're going to look at Americans abroad who might be making a move and much, much more back shortly. Hey, folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early. There are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, It's going to be a chaotic situation. There's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But... 
For the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our transfer update. Uh, Graham, a headline from Football 365. Chelsea to pay 200 grand a week for Lukaku to score goals for Inter Milan. Question mark? I mean, sounds good for Inter Milan, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> not so good for Chelsea? No, no, not, not such a great deal. So we're talking perhaps a loan move. Lukaku getting out there, right? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Romelu Lukaku this summer because I still don't quite understand why it hasn't worked for him at Chelsea because when you look at what Kai Havertz is doing for them as a centre-forward in Tuchel's team, he's doing a lot of the things that Lukaku should be able to do. And that just leads to... His situation has led to transfer speculation. I'm not sure... Maybe you've got something different, Ryan, but I'm not sure anything has really become that concrete yet. Inter Milan have been mentioned, but the unfortunate thing for Lukaku is that the Inter team he played so well for, for two seasons under Conte, well, Conte's not there anymore, and they play a slightly different way under Simone and Zaghi. They don't play, they still do play in quick transition in times, but at times, but it's not a team based around quick transitions as it was under Conte, which is where I think Lukaku does all, pretty much all of his best work is in those moments when he's got space, and Zaghi's trying to get them to be a bit more controlling and creative with the ball, and Lukaku's not really a player who, who fits that style. So even if an Inter... Uh, a return to Inter is on the table for him this summer. I'm not convinced it's the right move for him. AC Milan, on the other hand, and I'm just inventing a transfer rumour here because I haven't seen this reported, but AC Milan, on the other hand, that could potentially work. And they have a lot of money after the Redbirds takeover as well. It seems like they're trying to make a splash in the transfer market with a big signing. So maybe Lukaku fits the fits the bill there. And they, I think at the moment, they have Rafael Leao, obviously, who's young, but doesn't play as the centre forward. And then they've got Giroud and Zlatan and thinks Zlatan's out for 78 months. Mm-hmm. So there would be a, a place in, him, in that team for him. So Graham, I, I'm not as down on Lukaku's fit at Inter as you are. I think you can still do a lot of the same things that he did 
under Conte, even even though Inzaghi, of course, is the manager, as you mentioned, and the style is a little bit different. I think he could provide some good verticality to move him behind and, and some work in the channels. I think he's just a Lukaku's just a brilliant player and can, in the right set of circumstances, off the field and in the locker room and, and on the field as well, really thrive. But Milan is an interesting one. AC Milan is an interesting one. I don't disagree at all, but I want to hear more of your reasoning as to why you think Lukaku would fit well there. Because I agree, but I, I just want to learn more. It's just because I look at the players that he would link up with in that team. So when I think of AC Milan and when they are very dangerous, they have players surging forward. So Teo Hernandez does it all the time from, I was going to say left back, but I'm not even sure he does it from left back, just wherever he is on the pitch, basically. Sandro Tonali does it a lot. Rafael Leao does it a lot. And Lukaku at Inter Milan was all about those partnerships. So he was all about that partnership with Latoura Martinez. He was all about that partnership with... I'm trying to think, uh, Nicolo Barella, Akraf Hakimi down the right side. So when I look at the profiles of the two teams, and I know AC Milan are a team that, particularly in the second half of the season under Pioli, were based on their defence. There was a lot of uh, nil-nil draws and uh, quite tight, cagey games there. I understand that, but when they're when they're at most devastating is when they're in those moments of quick transition. And I think if AC Milan would build around Pog- eh, Pogba, sorry, Lukaku and... Uh, try and forge some of those relationships using the Inter model that works so well for them, then I, I think it, that is a sign that could take AC Milan to the next level. Because while I think they are they have a good team, AC Milan, they've got some brilliant players, I'm not so convinced about that Giroud and Zlatan front. Uh, I know they don't play as a front pairing very often, but having the two of them to fill one position, that very much feels like a position they could upgrade on. I like the idea of him going to Milan. I don't think it could happen because of... He would just be instantly hated, right? Like he's, by all accounts, he seems to be fairly well liked by Inter fans still and had the whole, uh, interview where he talked about Inter. And so I think if he went back there, it might be well received. If he went to Milan, I think things would erupt. And that's where, Graham, I have another hypothetical transfer for you that would never happen, definitely would not happen. But I, I, I can't help but wonder if it would make both teams better given their current situation. If Chelsea swapped Lukaku for Harry Kane, does that make both teams better? Yes. It's weird, right? Yes, it does. It's yeah. weird, but it does. Yeah, totally. Whoa. Because obviously Conte with Lukaku at Spurs, we all know yep. Conte can get the best out of him. And then Kane, I think, is slightly better as a facilitator. We all, we've spoken about him dropping deep and being um, one of the best passers in the Premier League. And that's maybe not something that Lukaku gives you. And I think that's a better fit for a Tuchel team as well. So absolutely, I do think that makes both teams better. Solved it. There you, we go. You just I'm sure it's going to happen. my mind, man. Whoa. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you, Taylor. I mean, I cannot imagine that Spurs would ever go for that because they are... I mean, I, I, Harry Kane costs, is going to cost a lot of money if and when he leaves Spurs. And at this point, it seems like that might be uh, less and less likely. So that, that seems like it would be very good business for Chelsea, less so for Spurs. But you never know. When Spurs win the title in the Champions League with Romelu Lukaku leading the way... Maybe they will have shown us a thing or two. Wow. I don't. I don't think Conte is particularly concerned with the long term. I mean, this is a guy who signed Truth. Ashley Young and Victor Moses when he was at Inter Milan. So truth, and even Perisic already for Spurs. So there you go. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And said he wants winners. He said he wants winners. All right, let's move on to Christopher Nkunku, Joe Lowry. Um, he's been linked with Manchester United. Do you think he goes there to destroy his career or maybe somewhere positive? <laughs> Manchester United, I think, should be doing everything they can to sign Christopher Nkunku. RB Leipzig will not be keen to sell him, understandably so. 
But he is so, so good. And that's, that's why they don't want to sell him. He's in his prime. He's 24. He's just kind of entering his prime. And he just had his best ever full season as a professional soccer player. 31 goals, 14 assists for Leipzig in all competitions last year. Finished in the 99th percentile in non-penalty goals per 90. And the 96th percentile in non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. Among attacking midfielders and wingers in Europe's top five leagues. To me, Nkunku feels like he would be like the... Not, not the piece to build around for Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United team, but if they can get him, he would be one of the cornerstones of that club for as long as he's there, right? Whether that's one contract, whether I don't know what that looks like, but if they can get him and Ten Hag wants to use some sort of a 4-2-3-1 while still bringing in and reorganizing that midfield and adding pieces there, I still think that should be the number one priority for Manchester United, given that they have talent out wide. But if you could get Sancho on one side and Nkunku on the other side... Oh my goodness. If you if you actually have structure and a tactical approach and you have quality added in central midfield, which Nkunku will not do, that's not his job, it's not his role. But if you can add Nkunku as like a, a luxury piece on top of whatever you do in central midfield, I, I think Manchester United should be doing that. And what's more, I think that actually might turn them into a, a, a competent team in, in the Premier League. Not a contender, Whoa. not a contender Stay for up. a title. But if you get Nkunku and you add a really good piece in central midfield and you make a couple of other smaller moves in the defense and things like that, you are closer to being something in the Premier League and closer to being something in Europe. It will take time. And we've always said it's going to take a year or two years. We need to keep measured expectations. But Nkunku is just that good that if he can, if Manchester United or whoever ends up with him, I don't know who that's going to be, whoever gets him is going to be much, much better (laughs) off. Yeah, that's right. Maybe it will be Liverpool. Yeah. I mean, remember how I said Liverpool might actually want a a centre forward? I know Nkunku is not technically a centre forward, but he has played there for Leipzig uh, last season. Remember how I said Liverpool might want a centre forward to replace Mane? This is the guy for me. This is where my money would be going. Just because of the number of roles that he can play, he can play out wide, he can play as a lone centre-forward, he can play as fr- a part of a front two, he drops, uh, drops deep, he runs the channels. Before last season, he was a creator. He got 13 Bundesliga assists in 1920. Then last season, he scores 20 Bundesliga goals. So for me, he's kind of the perfect modern forward who has Liverpool stamped all over him. And I agree with everything you say, Joe. If I was minded, I'd be putting all my chips down to getting Cuckoo in the hope that he changes the team that they have. But Liverpool feels like a better fit in terms of him going into that team and just being a world beater from the off. So that's where my money would be going. Completely agree. I think if Salah and Mane aren't around, or or maybe even if just one of them isn't around, which feels pretty likely at this point, adding Nkunku to that front line would be one of my first moves if I'm Jurgen Klopp in, in that front office. I think that would be a really strong addition. Darwin Nunez is maybe another player very different to Nkunku in that he's a little bit more of a forward, a center forward, but he still likes to drift wide, which is something you do, you do get from Nkunku. Either way, I think the table is set for Liverpool to make some sort of big move in terms of just supplementing the already quality attacking players they have. Who that is, we don't know yet, but I would be surprised if they make it through this summer without adding someone to an already incredibly good roster. Taylor, can we talk about Frankie de Jong? Um, Man United have a really good track record with uh, bringing in young Dutch Ajax prodigies um, in midfield. What do you think about Frankie de Jong? 
I, I like Frankie de Jong a lot, and I'll talk about the Man United thing in a second. Can we first talk about Barcelona and how they continue? They, they remind me so much <laughs> of a Real Housewife of New Jersey. I cannot get that comparison out of my head. Say I will more make about that make that, sense. Please. <laughs> sure. Like my my wife watches that one, and it's one of those sure, that I walk yeah, through the room. Watch, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. No, no. I I I will own it here, I, and then I will walk <laughs> through the room and be like, "Wait, what's she saying?" And then I get pulled in, and I get pulled in by the crazy. And I don't just mean like you know they're, they're crazy characters. I mean, this is the thought process. I will connect this to Barcelona, I promise. If Graham is a fellow cast member and I say, Graham, you're dumb. And then Graham says, that's not nice of you. I I disagree. How would you feel if I said you're dumb? The characters on that show, the cast members on that show, seem to take what Graham said and turn that into, like, you said I'm dumb. How dare you? In response. Forgetting that they were the ones who did it in the first place. And so much of Barcelona this offseason has been, Frankie de Jong, you've got to take a pay cut. Like, you're making way too much money. They're asking, I think, uh, (laughs) what, Frankie de Jong, Sergio Dest, Neto, Umtiti, Longley, Mingueza, Pjanic, Puj, Depay, Braithwaite, Trincao, all of them need to be moved on or take pay cuts. They're hoping PK retires is one report I saw because they owe him so much money. And there seems to be this complete lack of awareness of they're the ones who gave them those deals. No one else did it. It's Barcelona. And yet now Barcelona seem to find themselves in this position that is totally not of their own doing. How dare they do this? Basically, Barcelona, Teresa Guaducci, the same person. Uh, by the way, Taylor, PK might need some money for some lawyers soon. Just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, yes. And on that note, uh, not the PK one, but the Barca one, Frankie de Jong. It, it does seem like they will still have to spend a lot of money, Manchester United, uh, and but Barcelona heavily linked with Rafinha, for example. He, he's expected to cost around 60 to 70. So they're going to have to cut a lot of wages and then make a lot of money in transfers if they want to be able to pay for a transfer like that. So... De Jong, I think, is one of the players they have who could still command a pretty sizable transfer fee. If he's a player that Eric Ten Hag has identified, and if he's a player that they think they know how to utilize effectively, which is a thing I don't know if Barcelona do still. At times it seems like they do, but it always seems to be a talking point of how does De Jong fit? Is he the one who doesn't fit? Is he the odd man out? So if he can go there and be a person who fits in and does well and gets and Ten Hag can get the best out of, more power to it, spend that money. But it does also have that feeling of, we got to make a sizable transfer. We got to make something happen. So let's just do it. It's why I was nodding my head to everything Joe said about Christopher Nkunku while also resigning myself to the reality of Manchester United probably going to sign like Paulo Dybala for 150 million pounds. And then that would be the logical thing that they would do. All right. A couple more deals to look at. (laughs) Um, Darwin Nunes. Uh, Graham, I think you mentioned him earlier. Where does he end up? Uh, I honestly, I would have said Manchester United until fairly recently. And then I read a report today that said he wants to go to Spain. And I think I predicted Atletico Madrid a, a few weeks ago. So maybe, maybe that would happen. I saw they were linked with Raul de Thomas as a, as a replacement for Luis Suarez. So it feels like they're in the market for a, a goal scorer. Obviously, um, USMNT fans got a glimpse of this guy the other night when he played against them for Uruguay. He didn't have the best of games against the US, it must be said, but... This guy, for me, in terms of his profile, is is kind of another Erling Haaland. I don't think he's quite as devastating as him in terms of his his, his output, but he's he's just below the Haaland and Mbappe level of the next great forward. So I'd play some kind of with Vlaovic, maybe just a, a, a rung below that. Mm-hmm. And Manchester United apparently wants him, and then it gets a bit weird with Newcastle United and West Ham apparently targeting him. I I could understand if he went to Newcastle to be the face of that. That project, given that they're probably going to get a lot better over the next few years and be in European football and win titles and so on, West Ham would be a bit strange. Hmm. But I do, I do think he is 
probably built for the Premier League in terms of getting that space and quick transition. And I feel like the slightly slower game in, in Spain, um, I'm not saying he wouldn't succeed there. I think he probably still would succeed there, but it feels like he's maybe better built for the Premier League. Graham, quick quick clarification there. So you're saying Darwin Nunez could be a world-class player, if not already? I Well, it depends on your That's... definition of world-class, but I, I, I think he... As the way I described it, there was a tier two center forward. So I think right. on, in that top tier is Haaland, Mbappe, who am I missing? I guess some of the veterans like Lewandowski. Would I have Ronaldo in there? I'm not so sure. But I, I think Vlaovic, Nunez, just below that level, I think he's there. That is fair. But then a quiet night against the United States. Is that your way of saying that Walker Zimmerman needs a $100 million transfer? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't score against Thor. It's just science. <laughs> it's just it's just science, lightning science at that. Yeah, uh, indeed. Joe Lowry, uh, the world's worst human, Giorgio Chiellini, is linked to uh, LAFC. <laughs> wow. Do you think that one's going to wow. go? Ahead? <laughs> it seems like that one is done. Yeah, that was that was that was very on brand, Ryan. Uh, it seems like he is he's going to sign for LAFC, according to reporting from Tom Bogard and Felipe Cardenas and, and a bunch of other folks. It seems like that that deal is done. It'll be 18 months. It'll be a TAM deal. Chiellini is 37. Right now he'll be 39 at the end of this deal. I know that's old for a soccer player. It's not old for life, but it's old for a soccer player. But I still think this is a strong move for LAFC. They don't burn a DP spot, which is useful for them as they are dead center in this trophy push. They're in this trophy window right now as a club. So they don't burn an, uh, they don't burn a DP spot. They get some extra depth in center back. And he won't need to play every game. LAFC is uniquely situated in MLS right now in that they have depth. LAFC and NYCFC, I think, are two of the deepest teams. NYCFC, I think, is far far and away number one. But LAFC, in terms of central defense and their depth in that spot, they have more of it than a lot of other teams in the league. They have Eddie Segura, who will be getting back to fitness and playing more in the near future, I imagine. They have Jesus Murillo, who's been starting a bunch of games. They have uh, Mamadou Fall, who's really been a major star and is one of the best young players in the entire league. I've dug deep on him in the past, and I should have an article coming out about Mamadou Fall at some point in the near future. He is so good, and they have now in Chiellini someone that can help Fall and can it can tutor him in certain ways and can help him learn and grow, and who Fall can really get a bunch of experience and knowledge from. He won't need to play every game, Chiellini. He'll be able to come in on a lower contract. I think there's so much wisdom in this move from LAFC. I, I don't know if it's going to work, but by not putting him on a DP deal, you at least have the ability to recover and still save your season in your trophy window if it doesn't work. $50 to park there and him. I'm not going back to the bank, Joe. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough one for you, Ryan. It, you and LAFC are not best buds. And I think, you know, I think that's okay. Maybe that's the rivalry MLS needs. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it is. Thank you very much, Joseph. Another quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at the Americans abroad who might be on the move and a few of the deals that have already been cemented in our transfer update. Back soon. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. 
Just kidding. Very much just kidding, because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show. And I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the the the, uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic. And all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy, and they're going to make it feel like you're connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. Joe Lowry, I would love for you to spend a minute or two furnishing us with a little summary of the Americans abroad who might stay abroad, but maybe in different parts of the abroad. Sure, yes, <laughs> yes, from one sense. abroad to the other abroad. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> On that side of the Atlantic, we'll put it that way. Thank so you. one player who's already moved is Brendan Aronson. So he moved from RB Salzburg to Leeds United, becoming the second most expensive in terms of transfer fee American player ever, right after Christian Pulisic, although there's like a $40 million gap between those two players. But still, that's a big move for Brendan Aronson going to play with Jesse Marsh. I really like that fit for him. I think Aronson is a good player. We're seeing better versions of him than we ever have with the national team. I think that's going to be a good move for him, and it's going to be a good move for Leeds. So that one is already done. John Brooks is another player who will find a new club. He is out at Wolfsburg. They are not going to bring him back. So the question is, where exactly is he going to move? I don't know what that looks like. It sounds to me like Greg Berhalter is hoping to see a different version of John Brooks at wherever that club is. I'm not convinced that there's anything Brooks can do at this point that will get him back into the national team picture, but it wouldn't surprise me if he moves to a different Bundesliga team or like a, a mid-table to upper mid to upper, upper table, like European contention in, in the European spots kind of club in a number of different leagues. That could be France, it could be Spain, it could be Germany, I don't know, it could be Italy. But Brooks will be on the move. And then one player who I think should move that I haven't seen a ton of direct reporting on yet is Luca De La Torre. And Taylor and Graham, I'm curious about your guys' perspective on this. But Heraklis got relegated. That's Luca De La Torre's club in the Netherlands. They are now in the second division in the Netherlands. De La Torre is, is too good for that level. He's established as a professional right now. He was a bright spot, I think, for that team. I know it wasn't a flawless season from him at club level. But I think he's a very good player. We see that pretty much every time he's with the national team. Guys, what do you think about De La Torre? Is there a club that you would you would pick out as maybe a good spot for him to move to? Taylor, maybe maybe you can give thoughts on this. Where do you think he should end up? Yeah, I think staying in the Netherlands would be fine. Belgium would be fine. And I think the Bundesliga would work well for him. And I think of a club, I've seen nothing about this, sure. but Schalke we know previously have connections to Americans. Schalke also operating very much on a budget, and you would assume that a midfielder who started a bunch of games for an Eredivisie team that ended up getting relegated, maybe they could use that midfielder and maybe he's not going to be that expensive of a player, so that seems like maybe the the 
the area that he could fit is a sort of lower tier Bundesliga team that wants like some uh, like a cheap but relatively veteran player to come in and be able to either start or deputize. I could see him fitting in at a club like Schalke or a lower tier Bundesliga team. And as I said, Belgium or the Netherlands as well. And Graham, what do you think about De La Torre or, or even maybe some of the other U.S. higher profile U.S. national team guys like Pulisic and Adams and Dest and McKinney? All of those players are in the transfer rumor mill right now. Are there spots for any of them that you can see? Because right now it's it's a little difficult. It feels like there's so many different destinations mm. being rumored. Pulisic to Liverpool, maybe. I mean, Pulisic to Barcelona has been rumored before. Maybe somewhere in Syria. The list just kind of goes on and on and on. Mm. With regards to, to De La Torre, I, I would like to see him stay in the Netherlands just because we know that he, he can he can play in that league. I think when you, you shift division, there are all sorts of uncertainties and, and things can go wrong. So I, I think I, I want to say... Obviously, I want to say Ajax in the Netherlands, particularly because Ryan Gravenberch might be moving on and I feel like he might fit into that midfield trio. But then I think that's maybe slightly too high for Del Torre at this point. So maybe someone like uh, Feyenoord might be a, a, a good fit. Watch them a bit in the Europa Conference League this season. They can play some pretty dynamic stuff. So maybe that would be a good fit for him. With regards to one player I'm going to talk about is Tyler Adams, because I think there's a bit of chatter around him at the moment, primarily because he's not guaranteed to be a starter for Tedesco next season. He wasn't in the the second half of last season. And so Adams, remember we talked about, are we going to see players on the move in this window or in January? And it seems to be the conventional wisdom that if you are in a place where you're getting game time and you're in a national team going to the World Cup, you maybe don't want to disrupt things too much. I actually think Adams could be at the other end of that spectrum where a move this close to a World Cup might actually make sense if he's going somewhere where he's going to be a more important part of a team and get more regular minutes. And it's not that he's getting no minutes at Leipzig. He's just not a key part of that team at the moment. Leeds United have been linked. I think if, uh, well, they've been linked with pretty much every American this summer. But I think if Calvin Phillips is moving on this summer, as has been speculated, then Adams might be a good replacement for him. Matthias Klich as well, um, he's, he's been mentioned as a replacement for him. And then obviously there's the Red Bull link with, with Jesse Marsh and, and Brendan Aronson has gone there as well. So uh, Tyler Adams is one that I'm keeping an eye, on, an eye on. I think Pulisic maybe at this point has more to lose than gain with a move this close to the World Cup. Maybe a move in January makes more sense for him. But in this window, I think Tyler Adams, there's a lot that says maybe this is the right time for him to go. I'm on Joe, the... do you think... Go ahead, Taylor. I was just going to ask, do you think a move, as unlikely as it is, of Pulisic going to Liverpool, do you think that makes him better? Do you think yes. that gets some of the deficiencies out of his game? I just think when you have a chance to work with a coach like Jurgen Klopp and in a mm-hmm. position where it seems like there may be some minutes up for grabs... You take that. I think Liverpool's mixture of possession dominance with really lethal attacking transitions and pressing would fit Pulisic's game. If, if Jurgen Klopp thinks he's good enough for that team, I think that also says a lot about just Pulisic as a player. So I would I would love that move. I don't know how likely it is. I know it's been reported, but I, I'm still skeptical that that would happen. Um, going back real quick, Graham, to Tyler Adams, I'm in the camp basically with all these players, that I would like them to stay in their current club situations, even though they're not playing as much, just because of how injury-prone they are. And this is a this is a USMNT-tinted way to look at all of this stuff. But in terms of a World Cup, which comes around relatively infrequently, at least until Arsene Wenger gets his way, I think there would be a lot of value for these players in the U.S.'s World Cup hopes and their individual personal goals in staying. Tyler Adams staying at Leipzig, even though he's not 
likely going to be a super key part of that team under Tedesco. Pulisic staying at Chelsea, even though right now competition is, is pretty difficult for spots and, and minutes out wide. I think there would be value in those players staying because of how injury-prone they are. They haven't been able to, to stay healthy. We've barely seen 2,000 minutes out of these guys on a, a league season because of how injury-prone they are. The one exception I'll make is I, I do think they will move. I do think Adams at least will move. It seems like he's ready for a new challenge. I would at least like Adams to go to a club where he can work on deficiencies in his game. Leeds United is a very logical fit stylistically for what he's good at, and I can see why both parties would want that deal. But man, in terms of watching Tyler Adams and hoping that he continues to develop, even though he's pretty much entering his prime and maybe is getting closer to being done developing, I would love to see him go to a club where he'll have to work on his possession ability, his comfort on the ball, his passing range. He's been a Red Bull guy through and through since he came up as a youth player. Putting him in a different environment where maybe he's tested a little more and has to grow and is uncomfortable, that is the kind of move I'd like to see Adams make, even though I really would like to see no move at all. What would be the, the club then, Joe, Graham, Ryan, whomever, that, that would allow him to do that? Because no club is going to say, like, we know these are the deficiencies in your game. We want the USA to be good. So we're going to work sure, on those specifically. It's always going to be, and I know that's not what you're advocating, Joe, but like, it's always going to be, you do these things really, really well. This is the one thing that we need you to be able to do. So we're going to work on that so that then you are a more well-rounded player. I know that's what you're advocating for, Joe. But what would that look like? Because I think of him as a... A player right. who can cover a lot of ground, yeah. do the defensive work, be a leader. I think I think of him as a very coachable player. It is that sort of vertical passing ability and some of the more like progressive passing. So, what would be a spot, uh, Graham? What did you say? Brighton, just off the top of my head, yeah. feels like it because they play a midfield three, but it's a very dynamic midfield three where those those three players are doing. They're both they're all two way players, and so. Uh, Adams wouldn't just be there to break up opposition moves. He'd be there to start moves and have a lot of the ball as well. So that that would maybe make sense, that one. Yeah, Brighton and Crystal Palace are the two Premier League teams that come to mind in terms of being right in the lead stratosphere. So you can't really make an argument that based off where they finished last season, that those teams are dramatically worse than Leeds. I think you get Adams into a team like that, even if it's not Palace or Brighton. And I don't think any of this is going to happen regardless. But still, getting him into a team like that that will possess and will test him, while also still being able to use a player of his quality and really maximize his strengths, that is exactly what I'm hoping for for Tyler Adams if he's going to make a move. Joe, my other question for you from an Americans Abroad perspective. There's a certain club they call you and they say, Joe Lowry, you are an expert in all things U.S. men's national team. We are looking for one player to make us better. Who is that American we should sign, says the representative for Villarreal? Villarreal. I love that, Taylor. Um, I'm trying to think. De La Torre is a decent shout in that he's really good on the ball and is, is comfortable in tight spaces and is press resistant. And that's a big part of how Villarreal play in the league, even though we didn't see, we still saw some of that, but we didn't see quite as much of that in the Champions League. De La Torre would be a good shout. I think the issue with them is it feels to me like a lot of the, the top, top tier U.S. players are likely out of their price range based off of kind of what we see clubs in their stratosphere tend to spend. I don't know that they'll have the resources to go get a, a Tyler Adams or resources to go get a Weston McKinney. So in terms of other players that are maybe on the move, I like the idea of De La Torre going there. Georgi Mihailovic is another name that is probably, Villarreal's maybe just a little bit outside of his range right now in, in, in his skill set. But Georgie is a guy who will likely be on the move depending on the severity of that ankle injury. I don't think it's going to be that severe, but it was severe enough for him to miss this USMNT window. 
based on how he's played with Montreal really over the last two seasons, this season and, and last year, I think he is someone that European clubs should be starting to to poke and, and ask about a little bit, ask Montreal about. The logical move there is probably Bologna, just because the Saputo connection, uh, Joey Saputo and, and really his family and company and whatever that is behind the scenes, own CF Montreal and Bologna. So that would be a pretty logical move from MLS to Serie A. I wouldn't hate that either. I think Georgie is pretty much ready for that next step. The, the correct answer was anyone to replace Geronimo Rulli in goals for Villarreal. <laughs> doesn't matter who. Matt Turner alone. Stephen Fry. Yeah, or Stephen Fry or, or Sean Johnson. That, that's not going to happen. But yeah, I like it. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Thank you for the uh, mention of Villarreal there, Taylor. I appreciate that. Yes, well. I appreciate Let's... that too. Thank you. <laughs> Obligatory. I'll get Wimbledon in there somewhere. Don't worry. You just did. You just did. There we uh, go. <laughs> um, let's finish up today with a look at a couple of deals that have already gone through. We don't need to talk about the Mbappes and Harlands probably today, but one that's a little intriguing, intriguing, excuse me, easy for me to say, Taylor, is Aurelian Chuomeni. I hope I've mm-hmm. pronounced that correctly, who, as we record, appears to have agreed a move to Real Madrid from Monaco. Mm-hmm. Hundred million pounds is the number that I've seen for the 22-year-old. And I, I don't know, I genuinely don't know if this is one that has been sort of, we're going to get Mbappe and then we're going to get him, or if this is a, we didn't get Mbappe, so we've got even more money to splash, so now we're going to get Chuomeni. But it does seem like they're uh, announcing this, I think, the day after. Like, his announcement will come the day after they announce that they've renewed Modric for one more season. Modric, I think, now, what, 36? Tony Cruz is 32. So uh, this does seem like a, an eye towards maybe partnering him with Kamavinga, maybe next season or the season after he'll get some reps obviously this year but you can see how they're building to have that long-term strength that we've come to expect from Real Madrid and it seems like a smart acquisition even if it is a lot of money spent on a player who might not start necessarily for them in midfield next season but we would assume will become a starter in the near future so so Real Madrid are going to have a veteran midfield three of Kroos, Casemiro and Modric and then understudies of Camavinga, Chiumene and Ferdi Valverde That'll That's work. some real stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, will work. It wouldn't surprise me either if Chuameni pushes for more minutes than just sort of being an understudy this year. He was brilliant for Monaco and Liga. Really rangy. He's, he's a number six, really rangy. Can do a lot of the things that Casemiro does, but younger. And he's, he's got a little bit of a bigger frame. And he's also quality on the ball. He's comfortable under pressure. He can drive it forward, which is, again, something we see from Casemiro. So I like that understudy idea. But given what they paid for him and and given how good he was in a very relatively strong league last year, I think we could see maybe more of Chouameni than than at least maybe some folks initially thought. Very interesting. Uh, Joe, Brendan Aronson, Medford, New Jersey's finest, will be joining Leeds United. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so this one's done, and I mentioned a little bit about this earlier. I, I'm hoping we see some continued development from Aronson at Leeds. It feels like we're getting bits and pieces of that with, with the U.S. national team right now. Maybe we see him in more of a central area, and he continues to develop his spatial awareness and, and stuff like that. I think that could be a really valuable move. Leeds in general, I think, will be a fun team to watch next year. From a narrative perspective, even outside the USMNT, this, this look at, you know, Jesse Marsh saved them last year from relegation, and the, of course, players along with him. They were able to escape relegation. Now, what does this year look like? Are there going to be some pretty high-profile players exiting? There's already a couple of, at least, Aronson coming in, and there'll be more players joining that group. What does this team look like, coached by uh, an unknown quantity, at least in the Premier League, by and large? I think that'll be an interesting narrative, and I think Aronson's development is kind of a fun subplot in the midst of all that. 
And two two little things that I think are interesting uh, for me would be worth remembering that Leeds' interest in him was established before Jesse Marsh took over. Because I think like the title, Tyler Adams move makes sense, but then it's like, oh, there's the American coach, now they're only signing Americans, are they just becoming like a U.S. team? I could see that criticism and that being a reason why they wouldn't want to go for Adams. I think like that kind of branding can factor into that decision. So I think for me, it was just nice to remember, no, this is a play that they've been after since Bielsa was in charge, so he fits with their long-term vision. Mm-hmm. Also, credit to the Philadelphia Union for the deals that they're doing, because I think the initial fee was around $14 million, and they had a sell-on fee. I think they're getting $5 million, uh, out of this one when I, now that the deal's official. So a, a good amount of money for a player that they sold a couple years ago. Uh, not bad, Philly. Not bad at all. And I apologise, I got in Medford, New Jersey's finest. That's with all due respect to Callister Flockhart, who plays Ali McBeal. And Cole Lewis, also from Medford, New Jersey. He did okay in the Olympics. <laughs> Glad to hear you, you were just... using that time effectively while Taylor and I were talking. I might have been on Wikipedia while you were talking. I might have been. That's all I'm saying. Um, looking right. up Medford. Why were you looking up Medford, New Jersey? Because I wanted to know if it was near Wayne, New Jersey, and I wanted to make another reference to Fountains of Wayne. That's all. I regret, I regret asking. <laughs> I didn't Google enough, Graham, to find out, unfortunately. Feels like it might be, but I don't know. We'll find out. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, it's not. (laughs) It's a big state. It's a big state. Is the Garden State. Is it? I mean, it's bigger than Rhode Island. There you go. (laughs) That's always always the way to compare it. (laughs) All right, guys. We uh, we have devolved into state chat. I think it's time we park this transfer update. We will have... A few more over this summer. We've got plenty more deals to talk about and many we didn't cover today. But for now, Taylor Rockwell, thank you so much for your time today, sir. Uh, My pleasure. Unfortunately, Ryan, I've taken a page out of the Barcelona School of Business. Uh, I am going to have to pay you 10% of what we've agreed upon, but I will need you to do five times the number of shows from now on. I hope that's okay. That's fine. We've reached our salary cap as well, so we can't. I can't record yeah, any more sorry. podcasts from now on. Is that right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Re- I will continue to launch new podcasts. I just can't register them officially. That's all. <laughs> Wonderful stuff, Graham Rusman. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. And I'd just like to remind you that I am your agent, so I will also be taking a forty percent cut Ooh. of what Taylor's paying you. Tough, oh, tough, tough. Do I want a Scotsman for an agent? I was about to. No, no not going to go down that road. Joe Lowry, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ryan. And I am Graham's agent, so I'm taking all of what you earn through Graham and then half of what Graham earns. So, yeah, it works out. Oh. See, Joe's the smart one here. <laughs> we all knew that, though, didn't we, Graham? We all knew that. We did. We did. All right, listener, thank you so much for sticking with us. We'll be back on the feed shortly. But for now, bye. Bye.